What's up everybody and welcome to another episode of Wrestling With Jonas. This is episode 42 and welcome to this week's show. We've got a lot to cover this week. We've got the Money in the Bank uh, preview or my predictions, uh, which will be towards the end of the episode to so stay tuned for that. We're going to be talking about the Tom McGee and Bret Hart match and a Holy Grail documentary that aired this week on uh, the WWE Network, of course. Uh, yep, yeah, lots to say about that. We're going to be talking about the uh, AEW contract with TNT and... Uh, the repercussions that that might have on WWE. We're going to be looking at the new um, WWE contracts where uh, um, BT Sport appear to be getting involved. And of course, we'll be covering this week's NXT and NXT UK. But before all of that, just want to throw out some plugs like I do on a, on a weekly basis, uh, just so that you know where to reach out to us. Uh, on Twitter, of course, you can reach out to us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash withjohnners underscore pod. That's at withjohnners underscore pod if you want to reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, we're on Instagram, instagram.com forward slash wrestling with Johnners. Uh, you can uh, search for our Facebook group, uh, our ever-interactive, fun and engagement Facebook group. Uh, go on to Facebook, search Wrestling With Johnners, that's J-O-H-N-E-R-S. And uh, yeah, so go and reach out to us on social media, join in on all the fun there. Um, and of course, uh, you're obviously listening to us on one podcast platform or another. Uh, but just to let you know that you can reach out to us, you can listen to this podcast on all major podcasts podcast channels including apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify podbean podcast addict anchor Castbox, stitcher radio youtube literally wherever you get your podcast we are there and don't forget if you're listening on apple itunes to give us a five star review leave us some comments and if you do i'll be happy to give you a shout out on a future episode so uh on with the, the some of the news um aew we know next saturday um, it's going to be its first uh, pay-per-view, um, its first official show. Um, it's not just a t-shirt company, ladies and gentlemen. It is uh, going to be a proper wrestling organisation. We obviously saw um, All In, uh, which was a, a collection of indie star and in, indie talents uh, from around the world, uh, do that awesome show in Chicago last September. They obviously affiliated and joined the uh, started the AEW brand at the beginning of January. And uh, we've been waiting for, for news on uh, um, everything from the announcement of Double or Nothing, uh, which is take, taking place next weekend in, in Las Vegas, of course, uh, through to um, how we'll be able to hear, um, see the, the pay-per-view, where we'll be able to see the TV show when it launches uh, later on this year um, in, uh, in October. Well, it, it's, the news has dropped and uh, AEW will be on TNT in the States. So back on the uh, the, the Turner network. And uh, TNT, remember, used to be the home of uh, WCW um, more than 18 years ago now, before WCW, um, of course, went under and uh, got purchased uh, for what it was worth by the WWF at the time. Um, but uh, some of you may not be aware that TNT um, is one of the major cable providers in the whole of the United States and it can pull in as many viewers as the USA Network which uh, currently um, uh, houses the Raw every Monday of course. Uh, we know that uh, come uh, October uh, Smackdown will be going to Fox and uh, Raw will be staying on USA Network but it will be the kind of the start of two massive TV deals for the WWE there but TNT um, yeah it can pull in as many viewers as USA Network and could be a legitimate draw for many many wrestling fans who have fallen out of love uh, with the WWE products over the, the last few years 
I can honestly see AEW pulling in more viewers than the WWE um, in its first few weeks, certainly, especially if the product is great, and I'm sure it's going to be. Uh, AEW does promise a more sports-based wrestling show where wins and losses do matter, and where they'll be using some kind of win-loss rating system to see who deserves title shots and other opportunities. Uh, AEW has, has a... Definitely, um, it's boasting a fantastic roster of high-profile names such as uh, the Young Bucks, Chris Jericho, of course, Hangman Page, uh, Pack, um, Jimmy Havoc, Cody Rhodes, Dustin Rhodes, SCU, Kenny Omega, to name but a few. And AEW is a place to be fully inclusive. However, um, I, I do hope that AEW doesn't take themselves too seriously. Now, in a in a recent statement, the CEO. Uh, Tony Khan uh, put out a message out there, and I shall read uh, Tony Khan's um, um, statement. He is the CEO of AEW. He said in a recent press release, AEW is answering the call. AEW is more than wrestling. It's about a movement fueled by wrestling fans who have been undeserved and perhaps even disappointed by what the industry has produced in recent years. And yes, you can clearly tell by that statement, and, and we all know um, that AEW is definitely filling a massive gap, uh, possibly the gap that uh, WCW left all them years ago. You've got a lot of disenfranchised wrestling fans that um, have never kind of really embraced the WWE product since WCW went under, want some more kind of uh, realistic, edgy uh, product um, since the WWE have gone more uh, PG. Uh, a lot of people have not enjoyed the product, um, especially you know the, the John Cena era. It's had its uh, you know fun characters, edgy moments, uh, cool moments, especially with uh, CM Punk, for example, uh, being one of the characters that stand out and tried to make it quite a bit more edgy. Um, but uh, AEW, you know, it, it 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 doesn't want to take itself too seriously. Remember that this is still a pro wrestling product. It's still a pro wrestling company um, and there has to be an element of entertainment I'm sure there will be and of course you've seen uh, being the elite um, and uh, road to double or nothing which is uh, not only a great storytelling a fantastic um, yeah a fantastic uh, a drama in some sense especially that promo that Cody Rhodes gave a few weeks ago leading us to his match with his brother Dustin Rhodes and getting us all excited for Double or Nothing. We know that um, being the elite is highly entertaining, but at the same time they don't want to be too sports-based. They don't want to go too far the other way. They want to have that uh, fun, that in that entertainment, the, uh, the, the, the storylines that are going to uh, keep the casual wrestling fan interested uh, and maybe attract a large audience. They won't maintain high viewing figures on excellent matches alone, and that's going to you know, work for some people. Um, and I can see their viewing figures, certainly for the first few weeks, possibly first few months, be you know pretty up there. I mean, you look at Raw and SmackDown, they're only drawing maybe 2 million viewers, slightly over, slightly less, uh, some weeks in some cases some weeks and I can see AEW with with the, the buzz now the buzz regarding AEW has been something that I've not seen possibly for forever in terms of a, a, a new promotion a new wrestling organization coming on the scene I mean when was the last time you, you felt this amount of buzz from a new sports team for example or a new TV show for example um, but uh, a new wrestling company coming on the scene of course it, it's given itself time to create that buzz to create its roster to create the drama to build the matches to build double or nothing 
and uh, yeah um, I think everything's been planned and executed perfectly so far um, but yes don't want to take it doesn't want to take itself too seriously it doesn't want to go too far the other way it does want to remember that it's still uh, an entertainment uh, uh, brand and uh, yep yeah, it's got to keep that that fun and the storylines and that interest there for the casual viewers you will still maintain a certain audience for pure wrestling and yes there are going to be people that are going to be tuning in for the excellent action uh, but there are going to be the audience members who are going to want to see what they are more familiar with regarding the wrestling product um, especially you know if, you, if you're trying to attract a WWE um, viewer and trying to pull the WWE viewer away from that product and, and, and get them to view AEW um, you, you want to have that fun you want to have that entertainment you don't want it to be comedy you don't want it to be uh, you know too much the other way where it's just turning into silly storylines like we're currently seeing on Raw each week um, but uh, I for one cannot wait to see Double or Nothing I for one can't wait to see AEW and I can't wait to see what they produce next Saturday and what they produce on their weekly show come October um, and of course uh, as announced last week Another bombshell that dropped last week is that Double or Nothing will be available on ITV box office. It will be um, preceded by a one-hour pre-show on ITV4. And it looks as though ITV and ITV4 might be in negotiations and so might be um, a partner with AEW, um, possibly when it starts its weekly TV show in October. That's yet to be confirmed, but we do know for a fact that uh, not only will TNT uh, be its uh, weekly provider for the, the TV show when it launches in October, but uh, ITV4, ITV box office uh, will be showing Double or Nothing and the pre-show next Saturday night as well. So that accommodates the UK viewer um, but we will have to see whether ITV or ITV4 are going to be uh, the, the the partner for AEW a UK TV distributor in the future be great if it, if it is um, now of course ITV has got a, a really strong history with wrestling. We all know uh, the world of sport days uh, back in the the seventies and the eighties, and uh, yes, I remember Dickie Davis and that uh, that hair and that moustache. Um, introducing the world of sports and the, the weekly uh, wrestling uh, that would take part in that. Of course, that only lasted till about 1987 or 88. Um, and then, of course, ITV started showing American wrestling. Um, but uh, more recently, um, 2017, there was that uh, one-off New Year's Eve World of Sports special. And of course, last summer, uh, for 10 weeks, uh, ITV showed a Saturday afternoon one-hour presentation of World of Sports, which was very watered down, very much uh, aimed for a family audience. And uh, yes, it, it wasn't really for the kind of hardcore wrestling fan, um, but um, it was good for what it was. Had a lot of uh, popular names, not just uh, on the indie circuit, um, but uh, it did attract some names from around the world as well that uh, helped out that show every Saturday afternoon. But like I say, it was very watered down. It was heavily edited, more for a TV audience. But I would love ITV to be involved. And ITV4, it's um, a, a channel that's aimed for more the kind of younger audience, maybe uh, 18 to 30 sort of audience, where it's got slightly more um, edgier shows, not your, your typical ITV Coronation Street audience, um, let me tell you. Um, but um, it's, 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 an, it's a TV channel that doesn't get huge ratings, 
I think its average ratings or highest ratings um, for some of its more popular shows is around about the 150,000 to 250,000 viewer mark. Um, And of course, it it does um, attract uh, that slightly younger demographic in um, in viewing viewing audiences. And um, that could be perfect for AEW. That could be the audience that uh, it's looking to attract. It could be the perfect channel for AEW. Um, And uh, if it's shown at a, a, you know, a, a reasonable time hopefully they won't air it live live but if they show it you know the following day at uh, nine or ten o'clock in the evening that would be a perfect time slot uh, for that sort of channel for that sort of show and um, yeah we'll have to see but as soon as we hear anything more on that we will let you know but uh, speaking of AEW on next week's episode Dropping around Thursday or Friday, uh, we will do a full rundown of AEW's Double or Nothing card, um, all the matches um, that will be, that you will see next Saturday night, and um, yeah, might get one or two guests along to help uh, preview that show. And then, of course, we'll be reviewing Double or Nothing the following week. Uh, it'll be myself and two wrestling buddies of mine, uh, Chris Thornton and Ash Crawford, who will be uh, dropping on the podcast to do a special Double or Nothing review with myself. And that will be a few days after the show takes place, so possibly the Monday or the Tuesday. I'm definitely looking forward to previewing Double or Nothing on next week's show and um, reviewing the show the following week. Then we've got to WWE's a TV contract with Sky, which is coming to an end. Now, I'm not entirely sure when it's coming to an end, um, but I know they signed a five-year deal in 2014, but they signed a five-year deal in 2014 before um, the network was a thing, before the WWE network was a thing, before it's so popular. And, of course, um, yeah, at the time, um, Sky was showing all of the WWE box office uh, pay-per-views on their box office of course um, and that was the only way to see the pay-per-views really unless you did it by uh, uh, illegal means um, but uh, yeah before the network came along WWE would screen all of the WWE pay-per-views on their box office at around uh, I think it was about $14.99 possibly $15.99 uh, $19.99 for Wrestlemania's and then, of course, the network came along. Now, I seem to remember the network launching at the beginning of 2014 in America. Um, but I think we didn't get it in the UK until, well, I remember seeing WrestleMania um, 30, um, which took place at the beginning of April 2014 on the WWE Network. I do remember seeing it on the network. So the UK must have had the network a few months after the US. Um, but uh, the Sky contracts was signed uh, around uh, kind of early to mid 2014 it was a five-year deal that's coming to an end and of course with the sky contract coming into an end that also draws an end to their 30-year partnership their 30-year relationship sky has been showing wwe since 1989 and i remember seeing uh WWE in the early 90s um, but uh, looking back you, you've got to look at for example some of the late 80s stuff on WWE airing on um, Sky Movies in some cases um, Sky One um, before moving to Sky Sports um, and it's had a, a fantastic um, glowing relationship with Sky uh, And but, but nowadays um, you look 
you can kind of understand why the relationship has fallen through because with the introduction of the network everybody can see the pay-per-views on the WWE network uh, viewing figures in the states for Raw and Smackdown have dropped off and of course when we air Raw and Smackdown live it's like 1am through till 4 in the morning in some cases and you're only going to get you know thousands of people probably not even to the tens of thousands watching it live at that time in the morning a lot of people record it and see it the following day uh, but then with the kind of you know, massive interest dropping off in Raw and Smackdown because of the, the 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 quality of the product which we have spoken about at great length here on the podcast um, you, you know you've not only got the pay-per-view numbers dropping off because of the network you've got the, the 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 casual audience who would watch Raw and Smackdown on Sky dropping off because because of, of timings because the product isn't that great so the, the the numbers are not only dwindling in the states but they're dwindling in the UK um what can bt sports bring to this bt sports are going to be the new provider of wwe we will have to see uh, but it'll be interesting to see um, how bt sports can promote wwe a little bit more you also have to remember that um to be able to view wwe on sky you're talking about 20 plus pound to watch it on sky sports now i think it's on like sky sports 3 um, and that is kind of like a bolt-on package to the regular Sky Sports package. So you have to pay twenty pounds plus just for the Sky Sports package to be able to see Sky uh, to see the WWE product Raw and SmackDown um, ordinarily. Anyway, that's on top of maybe another twenty pound plus package. You're talking forty to fifty pounds to have the Sky package and then to see um, Sky Sports to be able to see the WWE product every single month that's quite expensive um now uh bt sports um, I, I believe is available to virgin media customers so i believe it's a lot more obtainable i'm not going to say that the, the the viewing figures or the amount of people that have virgin media compared to sky is going to be that much greater but it could certainly be a selling point for bt sports to get more people on board if the wwe are going to be shown through them uh, but i can also see um, a lot of sky and sky uh, sports subscriptions in particular drop off because i think there's a lot of wrestling fans that uh, only have sky sports for wwe um but uh, yeah very interesting times uh, for 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 uh, tv uh, within the wrestling um wrestling products certainly we've spoken about aew uh, we've spoken about uh, fox um, at great length on this podcast uh, coming in with the the the, the multi-billion dollar deal that kicks in with uh, Fox and the WWE in October. And uh, that'll be interesting to see how that uh, kind of uh, develops between those two. Fox certainly won't put up with uh, low viewing figures and will certainly demand more of a sports-based product. Uh, so with the competition of, of uh, AEW and the demands of Fox, um, you know, I think that uh, this is possibly um, a bit of a wake-up call for WWE and it will be fantastic to see um, how the product as a whole how the sport as a whole uh, with AEW and WWE develops and improves and progresses through the remainder of 2019. Earlier on this week um, I saw the uh, the Bret Hart and Tom McGee um, Holy Grail documentary um, and of course it, it documented this uh, infamous missing 
take this infamous missing wrestling match um, that was kind of like urban folklore, um, this mythology um, story that was out there amongst tape traders and wrestling fans about this this wrestling match um, that Bret Hart took part in in 1986 against Tom McGee who nobody really knows much about and certainly nobody knew much about back then uh, but is kind of this story has built up over the years about Bret Hart and Tom McGee um, and uh, more, more importantly about Vince McMahon being so enamoured with Tom McGee um, and that he was going to be the next big thing and there was this match out there that pretty much had Vince McMahon salivating uh, and was ready to turn this guy into the next Hulk Hogan, the next big WWF superstar, the next world champion. Um, if you didn't see it, I definitely recommend you go out and watch it. The whole thing is about 45 minutes. Um, it's not only a documentary that, um, and I'll talk more about it in a second, but it, it shows the match, um, the, the one from uh, uh, 1986 between Tom Gee and Bret Hart um, towards the end of the documentary. And the whole package is it, it's a fantastic um, presentation from um, WWE and, and a great exclusive for the network. Uh, definitely go out of your way to watch this. The match itself is pretty good. Um, um, I, I, you know, I loved the whole thing. Um, the match was was never aired, of course, um, but it did have some commentary um, over the match by Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Despite the fact the match never aired, now remember that this match took place in 1986, so Bret Hart was more well known back then. And the WWF for being a tag team wrestler as part of the Hart Foundation, who were heels at the time, along with their manager, the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. McGee did really well in this match, showing a lot of agility, a lot of pace, uh, a lot of power, and certainly uh, didn't he didn't come across as your typical muscle head 1980s WWF wrestler in this match. McGee had a fantastic look. He was around 6'4", 6'5", weighing around 265, 275 pounds. He looked amazing. He looks like an Adonis in the ring. Um, he was young, athletic, uh, amazing look. Um, and he did really well to get the win over Bret Hart in this match. And, and the fans the fans were really, really into the action, really into McGee as a potential superstar by the end of this match. However, as we all know, um, it all went wrong for McGee after that match. McGee uh, was with the WWE for another three or so years um, after that. Um, was on the road a lot of the time. Um, doing uh, a house show, um, doing the house show loop with the WWF at the time, but kept off of television and did in fact have another match with Bret Hart in 1989, so three years later, um, which was once again taped but not shown. Uh, but of course, this wasn't the Holy Grail match that everyone was after in the tape trading community. However, Tom McGee's um, hot match, the one we were all talking about with Brett from 1986, was so good because he was in there with Brett Hart, of course. Um, it was, uh, of course, Brett who guided McGee uh, every step of the way, calling every spot and essentially giving McGee the match of his life. Um, it's sad to say that despite McGee looking dynamite in this match, he was never able to replicate anything close to how good he looked against Brett uh, with any other opponent that he was in the ring with. He did have one or two um, okay matches with uh, Ted DiBiase, for example, and that second match with Brett in 1989, um, but he never looked as good as he did in this match in 1986 with Brett Hart um, against any other opponent, uh, and Vince very quickly soured on Tom McGee.
Uh, this was a real shame as uh, Tom obviously had a lot of potential and was a big, uh, great looking, very agile and a very athletic man who with uh, maybe the right trainer uh, could have been something more. Um, I think if Tom McGee was around today, he would have had the uh, Performance Centre in Orlando, Florida. He would have the, the Indies where he could uh, hone and develop his uh, craft and his talent. Um, th there wouldn't be this massive expectation that he uh, had to be perfect straight away, which was obviously the expectation, especially after this fantastic match with, with Bret Hart in 1986. The documentary portion of this match was also very good uh, with interviews with uh, wrestling talents such as uh, Hall of Fame X-Pac. It had Cassius own on there as well as Bret Hart and uh, the lady who had the tape all of these years um, with, with this match on it without ever really knowing it her name was uh, Mary Kate Anthony um, who is a, a long-time wrestling fan massive supporter of Bret Hart was also a, a photographer at wrestling events which is where she uh, got to know many of the wrestlers including Bret Hart and how she eventually came into possession of this this tape in uh, in two big bags of VHS videotapes um, which also included um, the infamous match that we're talking about, Bret Hart versus Tom McGee. The actual tape was mislabeled with the, the date um, of their 1989 match on it. However, upon closer inspection, um, it was indeed the infamous 1986 match, which uh, had only been seen by a small handful of people. Uh, this was the days where, because obviously WWF at the time had no plans for Tom McGee, um, they, they didn't keep or they apparently didn't keep the master copy of that tape. Bret Hart ended up with a copy of the tape. He would uh, catalogue all of his matches at that time on VHS. They were being transferred onto DVD. Um, uh, this Mary Kate was uh, part of the process in terms of turning all of Bret Hart's VHS catalogue onto DVD. She was then told to do what you want with the VHS videos. They were no longer needed, being as they were backed up onto to VHS. And that's how she became in, in possession of the tapes. They were kept up in her loft for, for years and years. And, uh, yep, yeah, like I say, this match was only seen by a small handful of people, um, including a handful of Hart family members who saw the match um, around 1996 at a Hart family gathering. Uh, some of these Hart family members included Tyson Kidd and Harry Smith, the son of David Will Smith, the British Bulldog, of course, who also appeared in this documentary to give their thoughts on the lost tape uh, from that brief glimpse that they saw when they saw this match many years earlier. Towards the end of the documentary, we see McGee um, looking almost unrecognisable to how he looked 33 years earlier. And uh, um, he gets to see the match for the very first time. After the match, the interviewer told him that he was originally viewed as being the next big thing and possibly being um, looked at as a replacement for Hulk Hogan, who at the time, remember this was 1986, was this was the height of Hulkamania. This was when Hulk Hogan was the world champion and was uh, the height of his popularity. It was the biggest thing in pro wrestling at the time. And Tom McGee, even then, was being viewed as the next Hogan. And no one even told him. He didn't even know that Vince McMahon had it, what, what Vince McMahon had in store for him. Um, after that match with Brett, McGee looked happy but surprised and, and, and possibly a little taken aback that he never knew that he had a shot at being the next big thing without ever being told um, by anybody in the WWF office. Uh, there was a special, um, a, there is a special panel at next week's Starcast which. Uh, um, precedes Double or Nothing in Las Vegas where Bret Hart and Tom McGee will get the chance to talk 
face to face about this match and about the significance of this match and the story behind the tape having been uh, have it have it with it having been missing for over 30 years it's definitely go out of your way to watch this on the WWE network it's uh, one of the best things i've seen all week if nothing else um, it definitely puts over how awesome a talent Bret Hart was in helping Tom McGee through this match as he did with every opponent in his career cementing Hart as definitely the best there is the best there was and the best there ever will be for sure but Tom McGee came across as a great human being um, very very humble and uh, delighted with the match and delighted with uh, kind of the excitement and the buzz that this match and this tape has uh, created over the years um, I'm sure that uh, there's been a lot of people that probably weren't aware of Tom McGee before seeing this documentary that are now and, and um, all I can say is that uh, you know, he's definitely made a, a fan out of me for sure um, and uh, yeah I want nothing but the best for Tom McGee in the future um, so yeah definitely going for your way to watch that the Holy Grail on the WWE Network it was also reported this week um, after I think it was after Raw and uh, there was a caller that called into uh, Wade Keller's podcast, um, and it was uh, on air. And um, basically, he described himself as uh, um, being a, a close friend of three current creative members, um, and uh, as well as knowing Triple H and many others with the WWE, and, and and basically stating that Triple H and many other uh, members within the WWE are extremely frustrated with Vince McMahon. Now, I, I kind of get this report um, uh, directly from uh, the Turning Heel Facebook page. So a good friend of mine, uh, David Anderson, who's been on this podcast many times before, um, posted this on his uh, Turning Heel Facebook page. And, uh, um, of course, uh, it was the, the Pro Wrestling Torch post-Raw podcast. And, uh, yeah, he, he described himself as a close friend of three WWE writers. And he, he called in and he said the following. And this is about uh, kind of creative at present time and the general frustrations of Triple H um, with Vince McMahon. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'll, I shall read what he said on the Pro Wrestling Torch post-Raw podcast. Uh, he goes on to say, uh, no one should rip on WWE creative. They have some of the most brilliant, unbelievable, cool ideas I've ever heard. Uh, we're writing for an audience of just one and uh, never forget that. Um, the audience of one being Vince McMahon, of course. The most frustrated person in the back every single night is Triple H. He'll always uh, take, um, especially the NXT guys, under his wing. Um, it looks like he's uh, consoling them. It uh, looks so much like he was the most frustrated person in the building every single night. Um, additional uh, highlights of uh, this phone call include uh, the wild card rule uh, was not in the script on the morning of the show. So that was something that was kind of dreamt up during the day, through the day, leading up to uh, Monday Night Raw a couple of weeks ago by Vince McMahon himself. The uh, WWE Superstar Shake-Up changed week to week and uh, it didn't pan out how it was originally laid out months prior. So it was, it was originally uh, planned months prior and of course being advertised month, months prior. Uh, everything changed because Vince just decided to change it. Um, he talked about how the uh, turnover, the, the, the massive turnover with so many backstage people quitting or being fired. Uh, he talks about uh, SmackDown and Raw writing teams uh, are the same for both shows. They are used, um, they used to be separate, uh, but that changed recently after the shakeup. The caller on this uh, um, pro, uh, on this um, 
Pro Wrestling Torch podcast said that um, the problem in the WWE is not the creative's fault and uh, that Vince McMahon is the one person who deserves the blame. Uh, Vince wants suggestions from everybody, but it never gets on TV. 99 out of 100 times, you can come up with an idea for Vince and it won't be used. The entire creative team have pitched to have Raw and SmackDown look completely different with different production, a different way of shooting things, etc. And Vince McMahon shoots it down. Vince McMahon doesn't keep track of what's going on in NXT. He maybe watches takeover shows. Um, that's, a, that's a direct quote, uh, but it doesn't appear to watch the weekly TV uh, of NXT. The writer, uh, the writers say he just watches WWE and works out, uh, and 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 is not aware of things going on in the real world. The writers say there is no chance of Vince stepping down. Uh, there was an idea pitched for Dana Brooke. Uh, Dana Brooke has been the hardest worker for the last three years. She goes to the PC. She shows up early and helps up set up the ring. Uh, she gets in the ring so that she can get better. Creative will pitch something for her. And uh, she gets nothing up until recently being given a spot in the Money in the Bank match. Uh, the caller offered to tell Wade Keller off-air. Um, of, of some of the cool storylines that had been pitched but never used, the uh, the writer he the writers he talked to uh, were all working for Dana Warrior, and it's a really really awkward atmosphere with these experienced writers that this caller knows working under Dana Warrior, who has no prior experience within the wrestling business apart from having been uh, married to the Ultimate Warrior, of course. Uh, the WWE Fox contract uh, prohibits Fox from moving the show to FS1 even if the ratings drop so yeah uh, what we said earlier about uh, Fox not tolerating um, uh, poor ratings or dwindling ratings from Smackdown when uh, it launches um, on uh, the Fox channel in October probably won't matter anyway even if the product is poor or if ratings do drop um, but it might mean that they won't get a second term when that contract expires one writer is very close to quitting because he is so unbelievably unhappy and many of the writers are paranoid and think they're close to being fired it is such a toxic atmosphere and uh, it's all because of one person that person being Vince McMahon when uh, Neville walked out of the WWE, uh, that was a crazy shouting match and he flipped out on Vince McMahon and that was uh, the last time they saw of Neville. The writers praised Neville for being so easy to work with uh, prior to that uh, falling out with Vince McMahon. Um, ideas never pan out as originally planned because writers will come up with stuff and then Vince uh, loses interest after a week or two. He used uh, the Mojo Rawley uh, character change um, as an example. Uh, the money is good and it's a dream job for many of the writers, but it gets frustrating. The talent is very unhappy and people are trying to get out of their contracts, which we've spoken about before on this podcast. Uh, the writers say that Bruce Pritchard is a pleasure to work with. He's a funny guy and a pleasure to work with, but he's not getting through to Vince either. Now, that was one thing that I was hoping would kind of help the product is uh, Bruce Pritchard being there behind the scenes as part of the creative team um, and having that long-term relationship with Vince McMahon going back to 1987. Uh, but it appears that uh, Bruce Pritchard is not getting through to Vince on some of these ideas and storylines himself either. Um, the caller goes on to say that uh, Shane McMahon, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon have tried to talk to Vince, but it hasn't worked. Uh, the people in the writing staff listen to podcasts and they hear fans bashing them and it breaks their heart when they hear the fans on podcasts bashing them for creative ideas. 
Vince's in the announcer's ear uh, to the sentence uh, as described by the caller and he gets on them for the tiniest of mistakes uh, on Sami Zayn. Uh, that's not Sami Zayn's promo. That's uh, Vince McMahon talking through Sami Zayn and uh, we all know what promos he's referring to. Sami Zayn's actually been on fire of recent weeks uh, with his uh, return to Monday Night Raw. Uh, there are a total of 37 writers and they're all now working on both shows. Uh, NBC, Universal and Fox uh, both want uh, the top stars to be present so... Um, uh, yeah, the caller goes on to say that when uh, the show goes on to um, NBC Universal and, and Fox, uh, that of course so you're going to have more of your Ronda Rouses and your Brock Lesnar's and your John Cena's and your Roman Reigns by the sounds of it. Andrade, uh, Andrade went into Vince's office and asked for a legit push. Uh, Vince looked at him and said, "Learn some English and get back to me." Uh, Andrade spoke some English um, last week, um, and he's been, in, you know, on, on last week's SmackDown, he's been taking English lessons, so he's definitely putting himself out there to learn more English. But that came across as rather a rude comment by Vince McMahon. The Firefly Funhouse stuff um, is all Bray Wyatt's idea. Bray is described as a, an absolute genius behind the scenes uh, and he helps other wrestlers with their promos. He's one of the best guys in the locker room also. Uh, the writers he talked to uh, say that they uh, loved it when there was the real legit brand split um, but now things just seem to be merging into one again especially with the uh, the wildcard rule which a lot of us think is, uh, is is a bit of a joke. And he mentions the revival and Uso storyline being done because Vince just finds it funny. So there you go. Uh, a lot to digest there, but it definitely creates quite a, a, a bit of a, a, a dark and unhappy scene um, behind uh, the curtain in the WWE, certainly in the creative team. And uh, when he describes that 99 ideas out of 100 are shot down by Vince, and that uh, ideas are being scrapped at the last minute with scripts being um, rewritten with four minutes to go before the show goes on air um, and not even uh, Triple H, Bruce Pritchard, Shane or Stephanie McMahon can get through to Vince. Yeah, it's um, interesting to see but then, you know, Vince's hand might be forced with the falling ratings, his hand might be forced with the uh, uh, with, with AEW and his hand might be forced with um, Fox wanting a better product overall. So uh, interesting times, um, very interesting times. Let's have a look at NXT UK from this week. And um, the first match on NXT UK uh, shows Piper Niven versus Jamie Hayter. So uh, this match didn't go too long with uh, Piper Niven um, being given a little bit of a wake-up call with a slap across the face from uh, Jamie Hayter. Um, that, uh, that, that's pretty, that was pretty much all the motivation that Piper needed. Um, as she hit her opponent with a running crossbody or running cannibal into the corner, followed by her awesome Michinoku driver in the centre of the ring for the relatively easy pinfall victory. Great to see Jamie Hayter in an NXT UK win, uh, ring here, but uh, another decent and quick win for Piper Niven. Um, then we get a Tony Storm interview, and uh, she recaps how um, Nina Samuels, uh, the prior week, made things personal, bringing Tony Storm's family into the conversation. Um, that was in last week's NXT UK. Tony's decided to put a title on the line in a future match with Nina Samuels. Uh, then we see Cassius Ono wants to be part of the tournament to see who will be part of the Fatal 4-Way number one contenders match. So it looks like we're going to get Cassius Ono as part of this uh, tournament and expect to see him in one of the uh, qualifying matches fairly soon. 
Uh, but speaking of one of the qualifying matches to see who goes through to the Fatal 4-Way uh, match um, in uh, three weeks' time now, we get Leguero versus Jordan Devlin. So Devlin has been awesome for a long time now uh, and put in an impressive match against WWE UK champion Walter a couple of weeks ago on NXT UK in a non-title match. Um, here we see uh, Devlin and Leguero both want to be part of that Fatal 4-Way uh, match in three weeks' time to see who will be the number one contender um, against whoever will be the WWE UK champion at the time. Remember, on next week's NXT, we've got uh, Walter and Pete Dunne too uh, for the title, and that will be awesome. Uh, Devlin takes the match to Liguero with a vicious backbreaker, uh, which disables Liguero for a short period of time, keeping him grounded. Uh, Devlin nails his Urinagi standard moonsault combo for a close near fall. Uh, Liguero manages to reverse an attempted back suplex into a crossbody, followed by a drop kick, and gets a two count of his own. Uh, Devlin brings up his knees to catch Liguero from an attempted splash from the top rope. Then Jordan hits a powerbomb followed by a close near fall uh, from a springboard splash from the Leeds Lucha door. So that's uh, Jordan, uh, Devlin, Jordan Devlin been put through the ringer there. Jordan is quickly able to reverse the tide with his ripcord backdrop driver. He calls it the Devlin driver or the Devlin side for the hard-fought pinfall win in a very competitive match against Liguero, uh, the very popular Liguero. And it was an excellent match, uh, a really good match between these two. Devlin gets on the mic to say that he doesn't need a number one contender's match. He is the number one contender. Devlin says that uh, it doesn't matter how you stack the deck, he doesn't care who it is, whether it's uh, the, the Joker or the King, who still falls short um, of the Irish ace. So that was a fun match between two of the finest on the UK indie scene and two of the finest in, on NXT UK, of course, but Devlin is able to progress to the next round. Then we hear from Walter, he said that the reason why he gave Pete Dunne a rematch is because Pete Dunne is versatile and that he brings out the best in Pete Dunne. Uh, we will see the much anticipated rematch, Dunne versus Walter, two next week and we'll be reviewing it right here on Wrestling With Jonas. We then see Mustache Mountain who say that James Drake and Zach Gibson must do the right thing and give them their rematch uh, that they deserve for the NXT tag, NXT UK tag team titles and of course the last time they had that opportunity was in the final of the tournament to crown the first ever NXT UK tag team champions at uh, NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool and that was an excellent four and a half star match. Then we get the debut of Ilya Dragunov. Now he takes on Jack Stars. Now we've seen Jack Stars uh, before in an NXT UK ring most notably uh, when he received that uh, astonishing beating by Walter which I think he is still feeling uh, the results of even today. Um, Dragunov displays all of his intensity as he enters the ring. Uh, so a fantastic entrance, fantastic entity, uh, an awesome um, entrance music as well for Ilya Dragunov. Um, now I've not seen an awful lot of Ilya Dragunov as I mentioned on the Super Strong Style 16 um, review show uh, last week. Uh, I've not seen Ilya Dragunov live. I've seen him in many matches um, on, uh, on on DVD and uh, on, on progress, on demand. And I remember that career-defining match against Pete Dunne at Wembley Arena um, uh, last uh, last September. Um, and uh, Dragunov has had um, amazing matches with Walter in WXW. Um, but back to this match, Dragunov delivers two stiff-running clotheslines, uh, clotheslines to Star in the corner. Uh, Star does try to make a comeback with a drop kick and a sleeper hold, but Dragunov hits a uh, a chop and a senton, eventually ending the match with his torpedo Moscow 
corkscrew running uppercut. Um, it's a corkscrew upper, uppercut. It was stunning, whatever it was, and a very impressive uh, debut win there for uh, for, uh, for Ilya Dragunov in only four minutes. And uh, yeah, we'll look forward to seeing much more from him. Um, it looks like we'll be seeing a rematch. Uh, a lot of rematches being discussed um, in this episode, but we'll be seeing a rematch between Noam Dar and Mark Andrews. And remember the last time we saw Noam Dar and Mark Andrews in the same ring, Noam Dar and Mark Andrews both got stretched out with uh, injuries, and Noam Dar has made a recent uh, return, and he's looking for a uh, rematch against uh, Mark Andrews. Then we get a match between Killer Kelly versus Zaya Brookside. So, uh, uh, we see a fairly competitive start to this match between Kelly and Zaya until the match is interrupted by the music of Ginny and then the return of one Jazzy Gabbert. So we haven't seen Jazzy Gabbert uh, since the Mayan Classic 2017. Killer Kelly uh, looks like she's going to stand uh, alongside Zaya Brookside in this and then gets the hell out of Dodge. Um, of course, being the natural heel that she is, leaving Brookside all by herself. Uh, Gabbert destroys Brookside with a, a gigantic flatliner, and it looks like Ginny has a new ally in Jazzy Gabbert. Uh, Gabbert is, is back on the scene. And like I say, the last time we saw her was a couple of years ago. She's been out, um, got surgery to repair uh, a neck injury, um, and uh, yeah, she's been re-signed. We first saw her in the front row at NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool, and this is um, this is her official return, and she's aligning herself with Ginny. Um, so a really cool kind of re-debut for Jazzy uh, in the uh, WWE um, and under the NXT UK umbrella. Great entrance music. All I can say is, wow, uh, great to have Jazzy Gabbert back alongside Ginny. That was pretty awesome. Then we get to confirmation from Johnny Saint that Nina Samuels will indeed be getting her opportunity against NXT UK Women's Champion Tony Storm. In just two weeks' time for the NXT UK Women's Championship. And then we get the main event of this week's NXT UK. And it's another qualifying match to see who will be entered into the Fatal 4-Way number 1 contenders match in three weeks' time. And this is the Bomber Dave Mastiff versus uh, Gallus member Wolfgang. So Wolfgang, the hometown hero, of course, despite being a natural heel under normal circumstances. Dave Mastiff uh, does manage to get the relatively quick win against uh, the Gallus member Wolfgang after Wolfgang misses his sent on from the top rope allowing the bomber to execute a brutal German suplex sending uh, Wolfgang um, into the corner before finishing off his opponent with his brutal running cannibal um, covering and getting the pinfall victory. We then see Joe and Mark Coffey, fellow Gallus uh, stablemates of Wolfgang, rush the ring uh, to attack the victorious uh, must, uh, Dave Mastiff, where they manage to get the bomber down to the canvas, allowing Wolfgang to climb to the top once again. And with Mark and Joe holding Mastiff's arms and legs, um, keeping him outstretched in the middle of the ring, Wolfgang does come crashing down uh, onto his opponent with a top rope sent on, laying Mastiff out um, as this hour of NXT UK comes to a close. have to say, really enjoyable uh, episode of NXT UK. Uh, you, you don't often get a bad episode of NXT UK, to be honest with you. Love the match between Jordan Devlin and uh, Liguero. Um, yet another strong win from Piper Niven. An excellent debut from Ilya Dragunov. Poor Jack Stars. He does uh, put himself through the ringer with uh, these uh, debuting superstars. First Walter, now uh, Ilya Dragunov. Uh, yeah, a fun main event. 
and uh, yeah, some some really really good segments. Love the kind of redebut of uh, Jazzy Gabbett and uh, very very dominant uh, entrance there, very dominant appearance and a dominant beatdown of Zia Brookside. Um, Ginny aligning herself with Jazzy Gabbett, I think that's going to be a great heel combo. And uh, yeah, great to have Jazzy Gabbett in the ring. Again, under the uh, WWE banner, this time NXT UK um, and uh, Ginny. Um, yeah, two excellent members of the NXT UK women's roster. And I can't wait to see what uh, what transpires between those two or with those two in, uh, in NXT UK in the coming weeks. An excellent episode of NXT UK. Let's have a little look at this week's NXT. The first thing we uh, we notice when uh, NXT starts this week is we've got no more Percy Watson. So Percy Watson has left the WWE uh, and we've got Beth Phoenix um, in the commentary booth with Nigel McGuinness and Mario Ronaldo replacing Percy Watson. And we've seen Beth commentate uh, quite a few times before. She's part of the commentary team in the 2018 May Young Classic, part of the commentary team at uh, last year's Evolution pay-per-view and... Uh, yeah, we've we've seen uh, Beth Phoenix back in the ring more recently um, at WrestleMania as part of that uh, four-way tag team championship for the uh, WWE Women's Tag Team titles at WrestleMania. And uh, she was one of the more standout members, of one of the more standout, more impressive wrestlers uh, of that match. First of all, we get to the NXT Tag Team Champions, the Viking Raiders, uh, Viking War Raiders experience, whatever they're called. They come out to the ring to address their NXT future. Uh, Hansen says that uh, over the last few weeks, they have raided a Monday Night Raw and brutalised the tag team division on Raw, uh, but they are still the NXT Tag Team Champions. Roe asks for Mr. Regal to come out and join them right there in the ring. Roe says that since there is no one that can take their titles from them, they're here tonight to relinquish their titles. Just as Regal responds... We hear the music from the uh, ever-popular, um, very, very fantastic and entertaining Street Profits, Montez Ford and Angel- Angelo Dawkins. There's a loud Profits chance from the fans. Ford says that uh, they are far from no one and that a few weeks ago they brought the fight to them, to the Raiders. And although they didn't win the match, the Raiders realised something and that is that the Street Profits can beat the Viking Raiders. Four says that uh, deep down the Raiders know that the Prophets can beat them. Dawkins then comes out with a line of the night by saying, if that's your real name, uh, that receives a huge pop from the uh, NXT faithful. Um, Rowe tells Regal to make the match and the NXT general manager announces the title defence with the Viking Raiders putting their titles on the line against the Street Prophets later on in this episode. That was a hot opening uh, to this week's show. And if their uh, confrontation this week is half as hot, half as great to match as the one they had a few weeks ago, then tonight's match is going to be amazing. Then we get a recap from last week's main event match between Matt Riddle and Adam Cole with uh, interference from Roddy Strong, uh, that awesome super kick from Cole um, and the bro mission from Matt Riddle uh, for the tap out win. 
as well as the the the, the, uh, the post-match tension between Cole and Strong, leading to Strong throwing his undisputed armband and T-shirt at uh, Cole, appearing to walk out on the faction. Uh, in a backstage interview, Kathy Kelly sees Cole, Fish and O'Reilly, with Cole explaining the issue from the previous week, when a bunch of suits running uh, uh, towards an issue in uh, up the parking lot. So then we see Roddy Strong come back into the frame uh, from the uh, di- distraction, from the direction of the, the ruckus that uh, appeared to happen somewhere in the parking lot uh, to approach undisputed members Cole, Fish and O'Reilly. Roddy says that uh, he's been thinking a lot about what happened last week and that he realised that Cole was right and that they are stronger together. And when they're on the same page, Roddy finishes by saying to Cole that uh, uh, the, the, the match riddle problem that he has uh, has been taken care of and then he asks so what's next so it appears that uh, the Undisputed Era are back together with Roddy Strong appearing to be back on the same page as Adam Cole at least for now then we get a match between Cesar Bonone and the returning Keith Lee. So Keith Lee has been out for a number of weeks with an injury, uh, with uh, which occurred prior to WrestleMania, um, if I'm not mistaken. And there were rumours that Keith Lee will be going up against Dominic Dijakovic in the pre-show in a pre-show match at Takeover New York ahead of uh, WrestleMania. Uh, but uh, as we all know, that didn't happen due to Keith Lee's um, injury. The fans are really into Keith Lee here with huge O oh, basking his glory chance. Um, it's uh, interesting to see that uh, Benoni uh, looks just as big and just as intimidating as Keith Lee in this match with Benoni standing easily, a good six foot six and weighing uh, a good uh, 262, 70 pounds. Uh, Keith Lee takes a few strikes from um, Benoni here before getting the upper hand with a huge pounce sending Benoni. Uh, to into outer space really or certainly to, to the other side of the ring before finishing the match with a, a massive and devastating power bomb uh, with a win in under four minutes with uh, Lee's new entrance music um, enthusiastic crowd response and a dominant win here it looks like uh, and it looks as though Keith Lee um, has the momentum going forward the next step for Keith Lee has to be a match on a takeover, Lee has been on the brand for over a year now and uh, is yet to appear on a, a takeover card despite Lee being brought in as a big name uh, from the Indies Let's give this guy a push and hopefully a big match uh, with another big name soon. However, as reported on Wrestling Majona's Facebook page last week, this is not likely to be against Dominic Dijakovic as he is out uh, with an injury, having just had surgery for a torn meniscus, uh, which will likely keep him out of action for three to four months. So we'll have to wait to see that rematch between Lee and Dijakovic. Uh, Kathy Kelly is backstage once again, this time to officially announce that after last week's skirmish at the Performance Centre, uh, Shayna Baszler will indeed defend her NXT Women's Championship at TakeOver 25 against Io Shirai. This will be the first time that we've seen Shayna and Shirai go one-on-one in an NXT ring. There have been a couple of tag matches uh, where these two have featured, um, but never a singles confrontation. Uh, that's another match that's going to kind of blow the roof off of that arena over, uh, arena at uh, TakeOver 25. Kathy Kelly is then approached by the Forgotten Sons, who uh, has a bit of momentum after recent wins, especially in their match against uh, Birch, Lorkin and Humberto Carrillo. Um, but uh, they're all set to storm into William Regal's office to find out why the Street Profits have been given a title shot against the War Raiders over them. Uh, all three uh, eventually storm into uh, Regal's office, all three of the Forgotten Sons, saying that they need to talk and that they won't be forgotten any longer. 
Then we see a match between Kona Reeves and Kushida. And then we saw Kushida um, in a very successful debut match against Cassius Ono a couple of weeks back now. As uh, David Anderson, uh, podcaster, co-host, um, mentions, uh, w- w- you know, we reviewed Kushida's debut match a couple of weeks ago. And his entrance music is fairly generic if I'm honest with you nothing too special about Kushida's entrance music his his entrance is something very special but his entrance music needs a little bit of work hopefully we'll uh, see a bit of a change up in his music fairly soon there's plenty of ground holes from Kushida in the early going in his match against Kona Reeves until Drew Gulak appears on the stage um, appearing to scout Kushida uh, now, the last time we saw Gulak in an NXT ring was against Matt Riddle a couple of months back. Uh, the match uh, here moves into a higher gear with a handspring elbow from Kushido and a guillotine from Kushido, followed by a reverse heel kick to the face of Kona Reeves and a very impressive plancher from the top turnbuckle onto his opponent uh, standing on the outside. So uh, quite a, an exciting high spot there from Kushida. Kushida manages uh, to... Um, applies hoverboard lock onto Kona Reeves for the submission win and Kushida definitely showed me more in this match with his range of moves as compared to his uh, previous match against Cassis Ona which was a little bit more of a striking exchange we then see Johnny Gargano tending to Matt Riddle in the doctor's room or the trainer's room backstage uh, and he appears to be a nurse in some injuries including uh, some bruised ribs after the uh, apparent attack by Roderick Strong in the parking lot Earlier on, uh, Johnny says that uh, you do not want to mess with a fully fit Matt Riddle when he's back on his feet. Johnny then sends out a challenge to Adam Cole, um, who will be uh, Johnny Gargano's championship opponent at TakeOver 25 on the 1st of June. So only a couple of weeks to wait until we see that one. That match was announced earlier this week, and uh, uh, as was the NXT Women's Championship match between Shayna Baszler and Io Shirai. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, both of these two matches will be first class, and of course, will be reviewed right here in a special TakeOver 25 review on Wrestling with Jonas. Then we see a match between Vanessa Bourne and Jessie. So uh, Vanessa Bourne is uh, accompanied by her kind of ally, you could say, uh, in Aaliyah. Uh, now, uh, this is one of the first times that we've seen Jessie in the ring since she signed with uh, to an NXT contract. Of course, we saw Jessie as part of last year's May Young Classic, uh, but she's been in uh, kind of developmental, working on her game. Uh, she's been doing the uh, the Florida um, house show loop with the NXT crew. Uh, Bourne does get the upper hand on the uh, you know in the early on in this match with Aaliyah getting involved with a slap to the face on Jesse on the outside. Uh, Vanessa Bourne, however, gets the nod in this match uh, with a modified net breaker for the impressive win, and things appear to be looking up for Vanessa Bourne. Then we get the main event, the Viking Raiders versus the Street Profits for the NXT Tag Team Championships. So unlike their match a few weeks ago, the Viking Raiders took control fairly early on, but are then surprised uh, with an early roll-up and two count uh, from the Street Profits. Uh, There's Julian um, cartwheels uh, demonstrated here by Dawkins and Hanson. The Profits get another two count from an outstanding frog splash from Montez Ford. The Forgotten Sons then come out. Uh, they said they uh, wanted to get in, be involved, and they are being involved. They, they come out of nowhere, come out from the back, um, where they are met by the Viking Raiders. 
in the aisleway on the ramp, um, soon to be accompanied by the Street Profits, uh, then the duo of Danny Birch and uh, Only Lorkin run out to join in on the fun. The referee calls for the bell on the end of the match. Hanson nails a crazy sent on uh, onto the Forgotten Sons in the outside. Hawkins, um, although the match has ended, he hoists uh, Roe into an electric chair, allowing Ford to hit a crazy blockbuster onto uh, Roe from Dawkins' shoulders. That was an awesome spot. Uh, the Raiders uh, uh, recover enough to destroy Wesley Blake before picking their NXT Tag Team Championship bouts from the canvas. Then, in a shocking twist, uh, at the very end of this show, we see Roe and Hanson lay their bouts in the middle of the ring before bowing to the fans, with reports coming from those that were at the tapings that the Viking Raiders actually vacated their bouts, as they said they were going to at the beginning of the show. Uh, and that could be the very last time that we see the Viking Raiders in an NXT ring, uh, supposedly vacating their bouts. It was also reported coming out of uh, the uh, final set of tapings from Full Sail that the NXT Tag Team Championships will be up for grabs. They're officially vacated um, and they will be up for grabs at TakeOver 25 in a four-way tag match between the Street Profits, the Forgotten Sons, Birch and Lorkin and the Undisputed Era. So another fine episode of NXT, um, excellent um, opening segment with the Street Profits and the War Raiders and the match being set for an excellent main event um, between those two teams and the skirmish at the end. Uh, lots going on, lots of fun stuff, two fun matches announced for TakeOver 25 with Io Shirai taking on Shayna Baszler for the Women's Championship and Adam Cole going up against Johnny Gargano in a rematch from their WrestleMania weekend encounter TakeOver New York this time just a, a one-four match for the NXT tag for the NXT Championship and uh, that will more than likely be another classic but another fun episode of NXT now we're going to look at uh, Money in the Bank and my predictions for how I think Money in the Bank is going to go this coming Sunday. So the first match we're going to look at is um, the first of two Becky Lynch title defences. Now of course she is a Becky Two Belts, the man having won all the women's gold at WrestleMania of course. She holds the Raw Women's Championship, she holds the Smackdown Live Women's Championship and uh, the first match we're going to talk about is her match against Lacey Evans for the Raw Women's Championship. So we've not seen a lot of Lacey Evans since she's come up onto the main roster, and I think that we first saw her strutting her stuff up and down the rampway from about January, February onwards. Uh, but she, she's got a great look. She's got a fairly fun gimmick uh, that a lot of people are getting into. She is uh, does play a good heel on a TV. She definitely does play a good heel, and she does have some good moves. I've seen that kind of um, that springboard... Um, Moonsault she does where she jumps from the, the middle rope, uh, does, does a flip uh, onto the top rope and then does her moonsault. That's pretty good. It has come off looking a little bit dangerous once or twice, um, but uh, she does show a lot of promise, a lot of athleticism. She um, is a great looking wrestler and I think that she's, uh, you know, held in quite high regard <laughs> backstage, uh, possibly by Vince McMahon anyway. So this match for the Raw Women's Championship, Becky Lynch, the champion versus Lacey Evans. Um, this could be an interesting match. Are we likely to see a title change? Yes, I think that there's a good chance of a title change here. Um, I mean, remember that Becky Lynch is also facing Charlotte, um, where she's defending her SmackDown Live Tag, uh, SmackDown Live Women's Championship and you have to ask yourself is, is it likely that Becky Lynch will walk out on Sunday night um, successful in both of her 
title matches. The odds are against her, honestly. Um, who is she most likely to lose to? I think that they're looking to make a new star in Lacey Evans. I think they are make, looking to make a new star. I think that if Lacey loses here, I think it could have a bit of a detrimental effect. I think they are looking to make a new star. And I think because of that, Becky can afford to take the loss here. She will lose the championship to Lacey Evans. Lacey Evans will be the new Raw Women's Champion, but Becky Lynch will still have the SmackDown Live Women's Championship. So my first prediction, I think Lacey Evans is going over. Out of the two matches between Lacey Evans and her match with Charlotte, Lacey Evans is probably the match that Becky Lynch is most likely to win, or if, if it was uh, an even contest. <clears throat> um based on experience and everything, but uh, I, I think because WWE looking to make a new star, I think Lacey Evans is going over here. Then we've got uh, the match between Roman Reigns and Elias. Now, Elias has had this kind of on-off, hot-cold kind of push. Um, yes, he's over with the fans. Yes, he's great at entertaining the fans uh, on the store with his guitar, singing the songs in the middle of the ring, but uh, uh, yes, he's, he's being put up against people like John Cena in a WrestleMania, um, uh, you know, uh, impromptu match, and against uh, The Undertaker on Raw after this year's WrestleMania. Not in a match once again. Uh, so he's not getting proper matches. He's just getting segments where uh, where he's entertaining the crowd, and somebody comes out, beats him up, and uh, and moves on. But um, this is kind of, I would say, Elias's first really high-profile match against Roman Reigns. Now, Roman Reigns returned back to the ring after uh, coming back from um, uh, from uh, having uh, cancer, um, leukaemia, last year. And uh, he did perform at WrestleMania, where he beat Drew McIntyre. Uh, Roman Reigns is, is going to win, isn't he, really? Um, although there could be some outside interference. I know that... Uh, Elias is aligning himself with um, other heels um, that could give him uh, maybe a, an edge, an advantage. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Roman Reigns only because that's the obvious answer, to be honest with you. It'd be great if Elias uh, won the match just to once again try and make a new star. And that's the only way that WWE are really going to um, you know, make these new names and make these new stars like the Lacey Evans and like the Eliases is by getting them to, to win. But I think Roman Reigns is going to go over here. I think uh, it's going to be uh, Roman Reigns doing his uh, John Cena Superman act all over again. Um, but uh, yeah, expect Roman Reigns to get some boos here though and expect Elias to be uh, fairly popular with the, with the fans. Um, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, the next match... Let's have a look at uh, The Miz versus Shane McMahon. So this is going to be a steel cage match. The match at WrestleMania was definitely entertaining, definitely hard-hitting, definitely some, some bumps there that uh, both of these two individuals uh, took uh, along the way. And, you know, in, in their fairly kind of handy match at WrestleMania, certainly the, the bump that Shane took when he got uh, clotheslined over the, the railing out in the crowd onto the top of a, a golf buggy and then hard onto the concrete floor having fallen off the top of the golf buggy was... Wow, enough to send anybody to a hospital under normal circumstances. And then that suplex off that TV gantry. Yes, although there was plenty of padding when they fell, that was an awesome spot to watch. Some really good stuff. Um, 
but of course Shane McMahon taking the victory in the end of WrestleMania. Uh, this time The Miz looking to get revenge inside a steel cage. Now I, I wish that they'd bring back them kind of blue steel cages like they had back in the 80s and the 90s. Uh, yes they hurt like hell but they, 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 they looked legit, they looked good. Whereas these new cages you've got like a wire mesh around the outside and I'm sure if you get thrown against it it's not too pleasant. I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't want to be thrown against um, any sort of steel cage uh, but uh, it doesn't look like it really hurts you know compared to the blue ones bring back the blue ones um, I would like to see Miz get his revenge but I'm also quite digging the Shane McMahon character I love his uh, his entrance especially um, when uh, he gets uh, uh, Greg Hamilton to do his introduction uh, that is just brilliance and uh really makes an awesome heel out of Shane McMahon somebody you really want to hate and boo and punch in the face um but I like the heel Shane McMahon I really do uh there's rumors that uh he could be going on to possibly uh have a uh a series of matches against um whoever the WWE champion might be somewhere down the line and that is of course currently uh Kofi Kingston so um, w- w- you never know um, I'd like to see The Miz win, but I think Shane McMahon will probably win again, to be honest with you. I think this is definitely a match where the heel is going over. Samoa Joe versus Rey Mysterio. Um, of course, we've had uh, Rey Mysterio's uh, son, Dominic, get involved in the storyline over recent weeks. Um, it's been an okay storyline, to be honest with you. I've, you know, really, I've always been a big fan of um, heel Samoa Joe. Uh, I think he's awesome on the mic. Uh, vicious in the ring I think he looks uh, legit it looks like everything he does um, means something and means like it's, it's meant to hurt um, this could be a good match you've got two contrasting styles here you've got the, the added um, added bit of uh, storyline development with uh, Dominic almost certainly being involved it wouldn't surprise me if he accompanies uh, Ray down to the ring but possibly could 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 Dominic could Dominic turn heel on his father, align with Samoa Joe, somehow giving Joe the victory? I don't know. There's definitely a story there, isn't there? Because do you remember, was it um, SummerSlam 2006, I want to say, where Eddie Guerrero was saying that he was Dominic's pappy and that custody of Dominic was put on the line to the winner of that ladder match between... Ray and Eddie. Uh, yeah, and I think Ray won to <laughs> gain custody of his own bloody son. Um, but uh, yeah, this could be an interesting one. I'm going to say, uh, just to be controversial, Samoa Joe. And I think uh, Dominic's going to turn heel on his dad. Then you've got the, the match between Tony Nese and Aria Divari uh, for the Cruiserweight Championship. Um, yeah bit of a nothing match really wouldn't surprise me if it goes on the pre-show although it's not listed to be on the pre-show just yet um, but uh, if ever there was a cruiserweight championship match uh, to be on the pre-show it was certainly this one this one hasn't caught me interest at all to be honest with you I'm going to say Tony Nice. too soon for him to lose the championship after only just winning it at Wrestlemania uh, then you've got uh, let's have a look here Daniel Bryan and Rowan versus the Usos. Now, Daniel Bryan and Rowan are the the new 
SmackDown Live Tag Team Champions. They were virtually handed the belts by Shane McMahon on a recent episode of SmackDown Live. Um, this, uh, yeah, I think that this led to a match. Did the New Day wrestle Daniel Bryan and Rowan? I can't remember. It's all starting to blend into one. Anyway, the Usos came out this past week on SmackDown Live as part of the wildcard nonsense. And uh, basically, they, they're, they're raw. They're raw, right? They're definitely on raw. Yeah, I'm sure they went, went to raw um, as part of the, the shake-up. And now they're back on SmackDown. Only a few weeks after leaving SmackDown, challenging for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. It's ridiculous. So, uh, yeah, Daniel Bryan and Rowan. Um, Daniel Bryan and Rowan, that, yeah, I like it. I'm, I'm digging that tag team. I am digging that tag team. Um, Rowan just looks like an absolute menace that you wouldn't want to meet down a dark alley. Um, and Daniel Bryan, I just love his, love his heel character. I think he's awesome. Um, yeah. I can't believe this is on the pre-show. This is on the pre-show. What the hell? You know, SmackDown Tag Team Champions. You got Daniel Bryan, who was the WWE Champion only last month going into WrestleMania. Uh, the Usos. Yeah, crikey, what's going on? Um, I hope <laughs> this isn't on the pre-show, but it's scheduled to be on the pre-show. Daniel Bryan and Rowan has got to win, although I love the Usos. Uh, this could be a good match. This could be the match of the night, to be honest with you, but it's going to be on the pre-show. Um, anyway, let's move on. Let's have a look. Um, so, Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles for the Universal Championship. Seth Rollins having beaten Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania for the Universal Champion in that um, super hot opener uh, in New Jersey, the MetLife Stadium, versus AJ Styles, and they've never faced each other on the WWE ring. The only time they have fought each other was when Seth Rollins was uh, just breaking in on an indie show about 13 years ago. And AJ Styles won that encounter. But of course, this is back when Seth Rollins was, was relatively new. Uh, I'd say he'd probably been in the business two or three years at that point. AJ Styles, uh, you know, was already a bit of a vet on the, on the indies. Um, uh, yeah, this is going to be an epic match. This is going to be really epic. Um, Two very similar kind of fast-paced technical wrestlers that don't mind, you know, leaving the leaving the canvas and uh, doing a bit of high flying. Uh, both very good um, from the top turnbuckle or from the top rope. Yeah, this is going to be a great match. Um, I'd love to see this one go on last. To be honest with you, it, it, it does have a, a real main event feel. I think if they're, they're given a good 15-20 minutes, this could be uh, an awesome, awesome match. Um, who am I going to go with? I've got to go with Seth Rollins. Mainly because he's just been crowned Universal Champion. He's just beaten the Beast at WrestleMania. I think it's too soon for him to drop the championship. And I think it's too soon for AJ Styles to be Universal Champion being as he's just gone on to Raw. So I'm going to go with Seth Rollins here. Should be a great match. Uh, then you've got... Let's see what we still need to cover... Um, okay, Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair. So as I said, Becky two bouts doing pulling double duty. I've already predicted that uh, 
Lacey Evans is going to win the Raw Women's Championship. Now send your hate mail uh, <laughs> uh, here. She's going up against Charlotte Flair. Now, as I said, out of the two matches, you would expect her to uh, lose to Charlotte and, and beat Lacey Evans. But I said they're trying to build a new star, make a new star. And I think that's where Lacey Evans uh, wins the Raw Women's Championship. I can't see Becky Lynch losing both belts. And I think she's going to retain against Charlotte. And this is going to be a fantastic match once again. You very, very rarely see a bad Charlotte Flair match. And they've had a, an awesome rivalry. Um, and uh, yeah, if if uh, AJ Styles and Seth Rollins doesn't go on last, and this could very well main event the whole show once again, I think Becky Lynch is walking out with one at least one belt and uh, retaining her SmackDown Women's Championship against Charlotte Flair here. Then you've got Kofi Kingston versus Kevin Owens for the WWE Championship. So Kofi Mania has been running wild this year. Um, that gauntlet match that preceded. Uh, elimination Chamber, the Elimination Chamber match, the storyline building up um, through Fast Lane and towards WrestleMania, where Kofi was fighting and battling and scratching and clawing to be part of that WWE Championship match at WrestleMania, and he eventually got his match after going through so many hurdles, uh, so many trials and tribulations, so many gauntlet matches um, to face Daniel Bryan, and then an epic match, an epic 25-minute match um, that was certainly match of the night against Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania and you've had Kofi Kingston as the WWE champion ever since. Now I think he's he's been a credible uh, WWE champion certainly more recently where he has defended his, his championship successfully against Daniel Bryan in Daniel Bryan's kind of return match from a supposed injury, um, alleged concussion, we don't really know too much about that and he has been really good on the mic really good in the ring. He is kind of holding his own as WWE champion and I think um, he seems to be growing with confidence and growing uh, in, in kind of many people's kind of uh, lists or you know he, he's certainly uh, performing well as a WWE champion. Uh, Kevin Owens, he's not really done much has he to be honest with you. Um, you know he was part of New Day for one week and then he turned his back and attacked Kofi Kingston Oh, I don't know. He hasn't really done anything to excite me, to be honest with you. Yes, he's he's hit a few uh, power bombs, uh, ring ring apron power bombs on uh, Xavier Woods and one or two others. Uh, Kofi Kingston. Not that that really kind of bled into the storyline the following week. I don't think they really acknowledged that too much. Um, I want to see Kofi retain here. I think Kofi Kingston is going to retain and uh, leave uh, the arena after the pay per view on Sunday as the WWE champion. So, the only matches we haven't spoke about are the two Money in the Bank matches. So, the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. Let's go through the participants. So, you've got Natalia, Dana Brooke, Dana Brooke, uh, Naomi, uh, no more Alexa Bliss. She's been pulled due to injury. You know, she's not had a good run with injuries over the last year or so. Uh, but she's out of the match and she's been replaced by Nikki Cross, um, Bailey. Mandy Rose, Ember Moon, and Carmella. So Carmella is a previous Money in the Bank champion. You could say two-time champion, but uh, we'll give credit to James Ellsworth for one of those. Um, I like Ember Moon. I like Mandy Rose. Bailey, I think uh, he has just gone non-existent. Nikki Cross, she's getting a bit of a push now. Uh, Naomi, oh, it bores me to tears, to be honest with you. Uh, Dana Brooke, really happy she's getting a push. 
uh, as I mentioned in the opening segment regarding WWE Creative, you know, there's been uh, lots of stop-start pushes for Dana Brooke, lots of good ideas that haven't come to fruition, but I like Dana Brooke. And Natalia, oh, please no. So the ones that I like, I wouldn't mind seeing win. I wouldn't mind seeing Dana Brooke win. wouldn't mind seeing Nikki Cross win. wouldn't mind seeing Mandy Rose or Ember Moose. There's four. I quite like Carmella, but she's come on a little bit as a, as a wrestler. Um, Bailey, just, yeah, just not her time. Uh, I think, you know, the, the petals have definitely fallen off the, the rose there. Naomi, Natalia, no, yesterday's news. So I'm going to say Mandy Rose. Now, I've predicted Mandy Rose for for uh, for wins in the past, and either the matches haven't happened or she hasn't won, but uh, um, certainly in a match against Asuka, I, I kind of predicted that she was going to be the uh, SmackDown Women's Champion. That would have been at Fastlane, I think, um, and that was a bit of a screwy finish. Uh, yeah, Mandy Rose, and I think that she's going to have some help from Sonya Deville on the outside, so I'm going to go with Mandy Rose for the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. The men's uh, ladder match, you've got Sami Zayn, um, Ricochet, Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, uh, Mustafa Ali or Ali, Finn Balor, Andrade, Randy Orton. So a really good lineup. Um, yeah, it's got Baron Corbin in there, but um, you know, <laughs> at least he's going to get a reaction from the crowd. Um, yeah, a really good lineup. Quite a solid Money in the Bank lineup. Uh, I think. What Sami Zayn's been doing since his return on Raw has been golden. Um, really like Ricochet. Think that there's going to be lots of really cool high spots uh, off of the ladder from Ricochet. Drew McIntyre, big uh, stud in the ring there. He's going to really throw his opponents around. Much the same as Baron Corbin. I can see him doing a lot of power moves, throwing the opponents around. Ali would love to see him win it. Not sure if he will, but I think he's in there for the high spots. Finn Balor, the current Intercontinental Champion. Not that you would really remember that if you were kind of given more than or less than uh, less than thirty seconds to think about it before you realised that yes, he was still the IC champion. Andrade, he's a wrestler that really excites me. Love to see him get a decent push. Randy Orton, I do like heel Randy Orton, um, but uh, let's see who I. Sami Zayn. No, I can't see him you know, being a contender for the Universal Championship anytime soon. Same for Ricochet. I think Ricochet might be more suited to maybe the Intercontinental Championship to start off with. But um, Drew McIntyre, possibly. Baron Corbin, I know he's uh, getting a push, um, if nothing else, just to piss the fans off. So I think it's between Finn Balor, Andrade, Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, those four. Um, and out of those four, I I think it's going to be either Drew or Andrade. Now, they're on separate brands, so if Drew wins, then he's going to be the number one contender or he's going to have the briefcase. But then you, the, 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 the winner of the briefcase can cash in on any brand, right? Yeah. Um, so that could be pretty cool. I think I'm going to go with Drew McIntyre. I think he's in there. Um, for a purpose, and he's in there to, to win the briefcase, and I think he deserves it. He looks great. Probably one of the best promo guys in the company at the moment. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's got the look, he's got the size, he's got the moves. Pretty much the total package. Shouldn't have lost to Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Um, but, uh, yeah, Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre is going to win the Money in the Bank. So there we go. I think I've covered all the matches there. 
Uh, what do you think? Do you agree or disagree? Let me know. And of course, we're running polls all weekend long in the run-up to the Money in the Bank pay-per-view to see who you think will win the, some of the key matches on the show. Um, but uh, I think it should be a hell of a show. Some really good matches there. Going to be intrigued to see how uh, Re- uh, Rebecca Lynch, Becky Lynch, performs in her two championship matches. I think she's losing one and winning one really kind of hot uh, main event match between Seth Rollins and uh, AJ Styles. I think the two ladder matches should be great. Um, the Miz versus Shane in a steel cage should be pretty good. Kofi versus Kevin Owens should be pretty good. Um, looking forward to the tag match between Daniel Bryan and Rowan versus the Usos. Still can't believe that's going to be on the pre-show. Should be a solid show. Um, they're going to have to you know, pull out a good performance so that people are remembering this pay-per-view um, over Double or Nothing next week. Um, because there's going to be people comparing the two shows and if Double or Nothing is, is awesome, which a lot of people are expecting it to be um, then WWE are going to want to say yeah, but look at our show from last weekend um, yeah, so there you go that's the end of this episode of Wrestling With Jonas. I really hope that you've enjoyed it we'll be back again on either Thursday or Friday uh, of next week, where we will be covering uh, NXT and NXT UK as per usual. We will also be doing a full rundown of the AEW's Double or Nothing card from Las Vegas. Um, We'll be uh, kind of breaking down all the matches, talking about the individuals, getting you more familiar with the the superstars um, that will be taking part in that uh, epic, historic match, Double or Nothing, uh, that will be taking place next Saturday. Uh, the 25th, and we'll be uh, covering Double or Nothing the following week in a special Double or Nothing review show. But uh, next week's um, standard episode of Wrestling with Johnners will cover a preview and a pre- prediction episode of Double or Nothing. Um, see if we can get a few uh, Wrestling with Johnners uh, listeners to join in on that uh, to kind of add their thoughts and feelings on the participants and some of the matches for Double or Nothing. For today, for tonight, for this show, uh, thank you very much. That is pretty much a wrap, so I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you did, please don't forget to hit subscribe and shout about this podcast. Subscribe, shout, please tell your friends, tell your family, and keep listening to Wrestling Jonas for all of your weekly NXT UK, NXT, WWE, and AEW uh, updates, and pretty much uh, whatever we want to kind of review. We, we, we cover a lot on this show. We do cover a lot of uh, different promotions. Uh, last week, we were covering Progress. And uh, we've covered uh, various promotions on here before. Um, But yes, uh, Money in the Bank this weekend. Hope you really, really enjoy it. Uh, Let us know what you think about this episode in the comments. Don't forget to uh, follow, like, subscribe. Uh, We'll be back, as I said, later on this week for another episode covering everything that's good about NXT and NXT UK and our AEW Double or Nothing predictions. Uh, But in the meantime, take care, have yourself a good week and speak to you all soon. (laughs) 